0: Howdy. I keep saying good morning to everybody. so I'm used to being here on Sunday mornings. Man, our uh, parking lot is full on a Wednesday night. How cool. I am uh, super proud to be a part of a church where so many of us just, I mean, There's no good week to do something like this. We're all busy. A lot of us kids are starting school and stuff, but we just, we want to hear from God. We want to be closer to God. We want to, and we know that also part of that is being closer to each other. And it's been a really cool week. For us, the kids did start school this week, or they are. Uh, Emma's my seven-year-old. She starts second grade tomorrow. Levi started kindergarten today which is crazy, <laughs> and I was thinking about, yeah, I was thinking about how different it is for my kids, I'm, you know with cell phones and social media, and uh, like I grew up, I had a pocket knife when I was five years old, and I would like go crawdad fishing by myself when I was five years old. I grew up in the 90s, the good old days, which were awesome, by the way. Anybody remember Dunkaroos? Okay, it was great. Um, we had the best music, by the way. It got kind of quiet right there. <laughs> I liked the music. I still do. Um, actually, one of my first businesses is, you know, back <laughs> with cassettes, a long time ago. I would. Uh, my grandparents had this cas- special cassette player. Where you could listen to the radio and you could record songs onto cassettes. So I would sit there and I would listen to for Backstreet Boys songs, and then I'd record it onto a cassette and then I'd put it on the black market at school. <laughs> In like fourth grade. And uh, yeah, it was it was great. Backstreet Boys. Remember TLC? <laughs> Don't go chasing waterfalls. So here's let's pin that. Let me rewind a little bit. I was born about 75% deaf. And I had had like 10 surgeries in relation to my ears by the time I was 13. So I didn't hear so good. And consequently, I would hear things wrong if I heard them at all sometimes. So until like two years ago, you know, it's Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls is the song. I, until like two years ago, I thought they were saying, Don't Go Jason Waterfalls. And I thought the song was about a guy named Jason Waterfalls, and he was, he was leaving, and they didn't want him to go. And TLC just wouldn't tell me who he was or why he was leaving. But what's crazy... Is as I look around, I think, okay, I heard that wrong. I had some hearing impairment. I think we hear things wrong a lot. We are just, we are in such an intense culture that it applies filters to how we hear things um, very intensely. And I think we hear things wrong a lot. I think. One of the really, really important things that we hear that is easy for people to hear wrong in our society is the gospel. The gospel is so severely misunderstood, as far as at a large scale, um, even in churches, but definitely in the nation. We're in John 3. And we're going to look at the story of Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is, well, well, let's get into it, and I'll explain as we go. This is John 3. We're starting at verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. All right, so he was a man of the Pharisees. We know from later on, Jesus had a lot of bad things to say to the Pharisees and about the Pharisees, right? okay? So, let's, for for our purposes, let's say the Pharisees were a group of people who thought they knew everything. They thought they had the answers. Nicodemus, he's a Pharisee, and and Pharisees were very, very well-educated theologians who were often in a ruling council called the Sanhedrin, and, uh, but he, he, in any case, even if he wasn't a member of the Sanhedrin, he was a ruler of the Jews, okay? So, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. Now, hold on. Okay, so first of all, we we know the Pharisees didn't like Jesus. In fact, most people don't like Jesus. In fact, most people will never like Jesus. That is the truth. But the Pharisees really didn't like Jesus. Nicodemus, though, and yeah, he does it at night, But can we give him a break right here? He does it at night. He goes to Jesus, and he calls Jesus rabbi. Jesus, he wasn't like an official rabbi in that he he wasn't in charge of a synagogue. He didn't go through those trainings. That wasn't his official position. Uh, But of course, he was a spiritual teacher, and a Pharisee comes to him. One of the guys who is in a group of people that think they have all the answers comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, so here's one thing I see. When we approach Jesus, when we approach the gospel, let's do it open-mindedly. Because that's one of the reasons that we see. We already know the end. The end is Nicodemus came to Christ, okay? He was the one that paid for the tomb, if I remember right. And... um, one of the things here is he was able to come with an open mind. Not a hallmark of Americans at all. Maybe of just people in general. I think uh, today's climate spotlights that pretty well. People are, generally speaking, mad about about being Democrats or mad about being Republicans or they're mad that you're a Democrat or they're mad that you're a Republican. And I won't go too deep into that, but I'm just saying we, we tend to be a culture that's not super open-minded. And when we don't have the ability to go to the one with the answers, now Nicodemus knew the Bible. He knew the Bible, but he goes to Jesus with an open mind. He sheds filters and he wants to just hear what Jesus has to say. And before we go further, I'd ask, I, you know, chances are that there are maybe even a handful of people in here who have been in church for a very long time, who have really not understood the gospel and never come to Christ. I would challenge you to take this chance to evaluate your own heart against what Scripture says And answer for yourself, have you come to Christ or not? And those of you who have come to Christ, what we want to do tonight is just absorb the gospel even more and recognize what he's done for us. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. He just, he says it right there. You're a rabbi, you're a teacher, you're from God. Because of the miracles. That's why he was saying that. And Jesus gets right into it. He doesn't even really respond to what Nicodemus has said that much. He just says, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Whoa. So Nicodemus says, hey, Rabbi, I I know you're of God. And Jesus doesn't say, yeah, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. He's just like, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. That's the first thing Jesus says to Nicodemus. That is such a huge statement, and it was meant to reframe Nicodemus' understanding of what redemption looks like. You must, be, you, you must be born again. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, this is verse four, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And <laughs> in that a crazy question, but he's, see how open-minded he is? He's like, okay, well, and he's not being sarcastic, by the way, or anything like that. He's being serious. Okay, okay so you're saying I got to be born again? Like I have to go back into my mother's womb? He's being serious. But he's so open-minded because whatever Jesus says, he's in. He wants to know what Jesus has to say. And he wants to know what Jesus means in this case. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, and let me just sidebar for a sec. Here we see a really good practice of studying Scripture. Scripture tends to explain himself. One common misunderstanding of this verse, born of the water and of spirit, is people will say that baptism is part of salvation. It's not, and the Bible's about to explain itself really clearly, we're about to see what Jesus means when he says born of water. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. He's saying flesh of flesh, born of water, because water is part of the process of birth. So he's saying you have to be born of the flesh, then you have to be born of the spirit. You have to be reborn, you have to be born again. So that's, it has nothing to do, birth has nothing to do with anything really that we do, right? We're not really a part of the process. And so Jesus is is painting a really important picture. Verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus said to him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? So remember, Nicodemus was a teacher of teachers. He was a Pharisee. He was a rabbi of And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. When you are reborn, it involves a lot of things. And here's one of the big things. You have new senses. Okay, when you're born, you have eyes. You get eyes, ears, and they're all working together. And you see this. In fact, I think I heard someone yesterday talking about this, uh, how this was true in his life. What you see when you come to Christ is that you are able to see and hear spiritual things that were right in front of you the whole time, but you just didn't get. There are new senses that exist. The Bible's kind of mysterious to those who don't know Christ. When you come to know Christ, and it's not just verses in the Bible that I'm talking about, just spiritual things, the things of God in general, he gives you new senses. More than that, a, a life, somebody who has come to Christ always has a changed life. Salvation always, always, always produces a changed life. No exceptions. Now, salvation is whoever believes in Jesus. What happened with the, the serpent? That, he was, that Jesus was talking about. The serpent was lit, lifted up in the wilderness uh, with Moses and the people. And he was alluding to his crucifixion. But what happened in that actual story is there was a, there was a I think it was bronze, it was a, a metal serpent was, was lifted up because the people of Israel were being bitten by poisonous snakes and dying. And the way for them to be saved, and it was a judgment from God, was to look at the brazen serpent. And this is part of the picture Jesus is painting. What does it take to be born again? What does it take to know the gospel and therefore to to believe the gospel? Because this is an important distinction, right? If you have a false gospel that you're following through on, I mean, heaven is an absolute proposition. You're, You're going there or you aren't. You either have a true gospel or a false gospel. So this is a big deal, understanding the gospel. What do we have to do to be saved? And Jesus is trying to make it really clear. It's not works because that is the understanding of men from history, ever. Now, in the Pharisees, in Judaism is that you do good things, and then you can know God. And Jesus is saying, no. Just like you had to look to the serpent, the brazen serpent, in the wilderness, look to me, and you will be saved. Does it take anything real to look? No. A newborn can look. Uh, It's just nothing. Nothing. And that's what he's trying to, that's the picture he's trying to paint is it takes nothing except looking to Christ, believing what he has done, receiving what he has done, but with no conflation, with, with, no, with no mixture of anything else, because then it's not gospel, it's not truth. You can't think that it's morality, and Jesus. If I do good things, if I am a good person, whatever in the world that means, then I will go to heaven. That's kind of the common understanding. That's also what we just tend towards, right? Because it's, it's in some ways it feels easier for it to be on us and not on Jesus. And maybe that's because we have trust issues. But that's what salvation is, is trusting in what Jesus has done. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Sin, that's kind of a hard word, right? It sounds really intense. It's got a ton of religious overtones. Here's what it means. there's, There's a verse in the Old Testament that says, the plowing of the wicked is evil. Meaning, me, or excuse me, the, excuse me, yeah, the plowing of the wicked is evil. And that is, that is what it says. And what he's saying is, those who know, don't know God, is the word wicked in that context. What he's saying is, hey, if you don't know God, if you are outside of Jesus, and you're, you're trying to work hard, you're plowing the field, it's still wicked. It's still evil. Anything outside of Jesus doesn't count. That's what it comes down to. The good things, quote unquote, that we want to do, that we do, that we feel, that we intend, they don't count if they're outside of Jesus. We have such a skewed idea of what morality is. We think morality is doing kind of nice things, treating people well, not being hateful. And of course, those are elements. But righteousness is about whether we know Jesus or not. Righteousness is whether we're in operating out of a relationship with Jesus or not. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have ever lasting life. Tonight, if you haven't done that, don't leave without doing it. Don't leave without doing it. If you have, then come closer to God by understanding the gospel even better. Take the opportunity to understand the gospel better and share it with others. If you aren't sure and you're struggling with Whether or not you have come to Christ, deal with that tonight, too. Uh, The band's going to come play. What we're going to do is, similar to what we did last night, and we're going to give people an opportunity. It doesn't necessarily have to be about what I talked about tonight at all, Um, but we're going to give people an opportunity to come up here and pray. And the reason we've done that on this occasion is there's just something special about kind of taking that brave action of stepping out of your seat and going forward that just kind of releases you a little bit. So if you have something special to pray about today, why don't you come do that? If you would like to come accept Christ or you're not sure about your salvation, why don't you please stand? You can, uh, yeah, everybody, please stand. If, if you're not sure about your salvation, you'd like to talk to someone, uh, just come tap me on the shoulder and I'll, I'll have someone come talk and pray with you.